mass media, TV, Instagram, this is what people are educated on. You know, be in that calorie deficit and that's all that matters. And unfortunately, if I didn't go on the educational route that I took and the self-healing journey, um, I would still think like that because of what I was taught and educated on. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to this week's Self Love Podcast. What a treat we are in for today. Beautiful Sheridan Austin is a speaker, a nutrition consultant, recipe creator, and writer. Qualified with her Bachelor of Science in Nutrition, she is also a certified gut and psychology syndrome practitioner. And I guess her biggest byline would be she loves to use food as medicine to support health and vitality. And I think what's cool about today's conversation is that she's a breastfeeding mum and has a toddler. So you'll get to hear little Xandra in the background. But I also really appreciate her story. From when she was a young woman, the old Sheridan, as she called herself, and the new Sheridan. The old Sheridan would eat typical foods, um, processed, takeaway things. But she believed that symptoms that she had in those uh, early years of her life were normal. Things like sinus infections, digestive issues, chest infections, asthma, hay fever, skin conditions, and a foggy mind, to name a few. She lived off antihistamines, asthma puffers, and antibiotics. And she's always had a deep love and fascination for food, but wasn't sure why or what to think of it when she consistently exposed herself to man-made packaged and processed foods. I think this is, though, what led her to go down the pathway of becoming qualified in nutrition. She kept searching and researching. And then after her you know, degree in nutrition, she also then continually kept researching and with her own personal research has since freed herself from many of the symptoms that were robbing her of life filled with energy, vitality, confidence and excitement. Sheridan truly believes that it's food and its ability to nourish us that is the undeniable superpower that helps us to heal and rejuvenate our bodies through the millions and trillions of cells and microbes that make up our being. Every single one of them are waiting to be nourished in the best way possible. She knows that our body has an intelligence beyond explanation and it's incredibly intriguing and impressive to start to even understand part of what it is that really does make us tick. And her interest in particular around the gut microbiome, the gut-brain connection and all of those things led her to create her own product, the Mother's Blend Run Retreat, so that people could fall into the immersion of learning to realize that small differences make a massive impact, how to embrace these changes in the home easily, and how to do it all with having fun and a love and an honor to step back into the kitchen. I know you're going to love this podcast. She gives you lots of tips and thoughts around what's important with nutrition, but she also shows her beautiful vulnerability around what it's taken for her to create the business and the life and the family that she has. Get ready for a beautiful conversation with an exquisite soul, someone I love and admire wholeheartedly. Remember, you can follow her on all the links in the notes. 
please give your comments and feedback on my Facebook page, Kim Morrison, and also Kim Morrison and the number 28 in my beautiful Instagram feed. I love it. If you want to go to thewellnesscouch.com, you can also listen to the podcast there or share it from that platform. But I'm really super pumped for those of you giving a five-star rating. I read every single comment. I know this isn't the best and be-all podcast on the planet by any means, and I certainly don't pretend it to be. But my passion of interviewing people, giving you their insights into their beautiful health, love, and well-being journeys is something that I am really passionate about. And I really love sharing their incredible knowledge. So without further ado, get ready for a beautiful podcast with the amazing Sheridan Austin. Well, it gives me absolute great pleasure, as you can tell, this beautiful soul, Sheridan Austin. What an honor and a treat to have you, my love, on the Self Cut Love podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Kimmy. I mean, like, this is probably our thousandth conversation on the planet, but I think, you know, all our conversations probably should be recorded, I reckon, for the world anyway. I reckon. Well, maybe some of them shouldn't, the way we crack up and we're in hysterics at times. That's true. The fact that um, we think it shouldn't be recorded probably means that it should be. <laughs> you're dead right. You're dead right. But beautiful girl, you're a brand new mum of two little babes and you are a beautiful businesswoman. You're a practitioner. There is a number of things that create you to being the multifaceted, extraordinary human that you are. But for people who don't know you, could you give us a little brief background as to your background, your upbringing, what you've done, what you've experienced, and what led you down this path? Yes, absolutely. So I certainly have not eaten the way I have, like do now for my entire life. Um, yeah, so it it's definitely a new venture to my old self. So if you to go back to when I was up to say 18 um, I you know still the same person but unknowingly was uh, experiencing symptoms for my entire life that I actually didn't need to experience or that I thought were just a part of me um, it wasn't until I was in Wales I was living there for a year and it got towards the end of the year. I was actually a sports assistant teacher and I lived on campus with all the students, um, with the boarders, and I ate the food that they ate and I loved to obviously party and I was obviously on a budget. So I would steal from <laughs> pubs, this is how poor I was, the tomato sauce sachets that they have in, um, in pubs. <laughs> And then so I would go home and um, make tomato sauce and tuna pasta. Completely nourishing, right? <laughs> that was my old self. So um, got towards the end of the year and I started to notice, uh, I guess it was self-conscious kind of for the first time, um, which I guess I'm lucky that it was the first time I had been really self-conscious, but I'd start to, I started to put on a little bit of weight and I was going back to home in Australia obviously to see my partner now husband and thanks Kimmy <laughs> <laughs> just so the listeners know I had the privilege of marrying these two but yes carry on <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I was obviously going, okay, I, well, this is the first time I actually need to think about food. So I started to look at what I was eating for the first time. Uh, and it's unfortunate that it was because of those superficial type um, challenges that I was experiencing, but I hadn't even pondered on, you know, my chest infections, my sinus infections, my extreme fatigue, my skin issues, um, my constant period pain issues, you know, every month, um, gut problems were so severe as well. So there's a lot of things going on, but I, you know, was going, oh, well, I need to think about food because I feel like I've put on a little bit more weight than what I'm used to. So I, you know, looked at food and then I started to gain this interest. And then that's when I enrolled into nutrition when I was over there actually. And so came home, dived straight into study. And I was really, really fortunate. Like I absolutely count so like my blessings because that's when Cindy O'Meara approached me to work for her. And thank goodness she did because that is where the penny finally dropped of, oh my gosh, I can potentially live without these symptoms that I really thought were just a part of me and you could do nothing about. You just take some antihistamines or you just take antibiotics or some neurofin or uh, anything under the sun to, to mask those symptoms. So I like got so fascinated by that and um, started to do a lot of my own research amongst my study. And I was very young when I began to heal my gut. So um, not many people were talking about this kind of stuff, to be honest, like at all around me. It was, um, uh, you know, I was doing coffee enemas. I was completely sugar-free. I was, um, you know, going into what probiotics my gut needs, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this was all to heal my issues, and it did. It really worked. Um, and like I said, I was very young at this stage when I was doing my healing, I was probably around, around 20. So at the same time, I loved to party and have a normal life and be very social, etc. So there was definitely some judgment. Um, but I just did it a little bit, um, savvy, I guess, <laughs> still got to drink some alcohol, but just made it all sugar-free, you know, doing vodka lime sodas and would never touch wine because of the sugar content. And the, and I'm not saying all sugar's bad. It, and, and now that I've healed my gut, I definitely can beautifully tolerate uh, natural sugars, which is so exciting um, and have for many years now. But I definitely needed to go down that healing route to be able to tolerate more food. Um, but yeah, so my favorite foods that I missed when I was overseas was things like red rooster flavor wraps and fantails, like the chocolates and Milo. And I just had so much wonder white bread with Nutella on top. Like it was terrible, Kimmy. <laughs> I did not know this. Didn't you? Not to this extreme, but carry on. Oh, making yeah, you're picturing me as a completely different human now. <laughs> Yeah, so no idea, and um, and that's uh, I think was a big alteration for um, other people to get used to as well, of course, because it's the old Sheridan and the new Sheridan. If they hadn't seen me for those couple of years, it's like, whoa, okay, you know, it's a completely different morals and beliefs or just things around food. But I wouldn't make it a big deal at all. Like, you know, if anything, I'd love to not like 
in those times not talk about it you know it's just the journey that I was on what I know I needed to do but then it obviously progressed to where all those kind of people that might place judgment on me need help um, and ask for help and start to understand so I guess at the end of the day, you always need to have confidence in what you feel is right for you at that time because other people could be inspired by that. Um, even though they might place a little bit of judgment on you at the time, they're in fact, you know, just not ready for that change. I agree. And I think you've touched on something quite significant. So as a nutritionist and a qualified gut and psychology syndrome practitioner and someone who really does advocate now that medicine is uh, food is our medicine to help support health and vitality. It's really obvious through your own experience that you've created this healing journey. For many people, and perhaps even people listening to this, who know people with those typical symptoms of sinus and chest infections, digestive issues, even things like asthma and hay fever, skin rashes, fatigue and foggy mind and chronic fatigue, all of these things I find it interesting that even though it's common, people think it's normal, um, yeah. but it's it's not, is it? These symptoms yeah. are simply reactions. And do you think it is food related specifically, or is it a combination? Um, I, well, it's definitely food related in the sense um, of, I guess it's a it's a lot of things because if someone's listening. For, and they practice kinesiology, they would go, oh, it's totally emotional, you know, um, or, you know, those kind of things. But I think it needs to be, um, action needs to be taken from many different angles. But I, you know, I obviously I'm biased, but food is, I think, paramount. What we put into our body impacts our immune system if we're going to, you know, stimulate the immune system and create that cascading events of inflammation or it's going to support your immune system and protect you. So I really do feel that food um, out of anything is like the foundation. Like let's look at it as that. It's really the foundation of your wellness because, um, yes, there's other factors, but I definitely think without that you cannot fully achieve your best version of yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that I, yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm not a nutritionist. I've been passionate about nutrition and food since I was an athlete, since I was in my teens myself and then marrying a professional athlete. I've always looked at food as the key thing. In my humble opinion, it was, I just remember watching, I don't know, was it Bathurst or something one year? I don't normally watch shows like this, but I just remember hearing them say something about a high-performance car needs high-performance mm. f- high fuel. And you wouldn't put everyday petrol into one of these cars, apparently. So mm. as I heard that, I've always thought, well, if I'm a high-performing human, I want to make sure I put high-performing fuel into this mm. tank. And so yeah. I don't understand how I'm not a scientist, a doctor, a medical expert, or even a nutritionist, yet why is it, beautiful Sheridan, that doctors, scientists, nutritionists, dietitians, and I'm generally speaking, don't mm. seem to have an overriding philosophy and principle that that is the fundamental foundation, as you say, for wellness. 
Why do we have to see such packaged foods and synthetic things in hospitals? Or we're not even looking at food when someone comes in for chronic fatigue. I don't understand. Can you help us? To be honest, you know, with that kind of thought, my mind also goes completely blank because it's like I don't understand either. I don't understand how they don't see it. But unfortunately, they don't. Um, You you know, even... um, my dietitian teachers, my lecturers in my university degree were sipping on Diet Cokes, you know, like, and that's okay because it's low calorie, right? Um, but it's, it's causing so much inflammation in her body uh, and it showed by her mood and her weight. Um, and weight is not the goal, absolutely not. Like if weight is someone's goal when they come to me, I quickly try and encourage them that they they need to change their mindset and eat to be well and not to be thin because if you're eating to be thin, then you're actually never going to achieve the health that you would like to achieve because you you that's when the yo-yo dieting starts because the actual um, true, you know, the um, more purposeful goal isn't there. So... Yeah, it blows my mind, Kimmy, what things are shared uh, on social media regarding uh, choose this over this from particular dietitians. And again, this is not, this is very generalized because there are some really great dietitians out there and nutritionists, etc. And there's great doctors. We know all this. However, there's certainly a large number due to the education we have at universities still, which we know is completely outdated. Um, like the education around it is, you know, the research is absolutely outdated and backwards. Um, But due to that education, we still have a huge number of people educating the wrong type of stuff. So, for example, um, I saw a dietitian who should have some sort of passion to do with food right and nourishment it just blows my socks off right can you hear the fury in my voice Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so she showed okay a milky way has this many calories and coconut oil has this many calories so it was a tablespoon of coconut oil and a little milky way uh guys you may as well have the milky way because the milky way has less calories are you serious like I want to swear. And then there's another example where the dietitian shared um, that there's no nutritional benefit to using um, things like butter or ghee or lard, etc. It's just bad that there's saturated fats in there. But guys, there's no nutritional benefit in there, is there? <laughs> and it was it was that they should only use olive oil. Um, and you know, when people say things like that, what, whenever someone is given advice or, um, some information, some facts or whatever, always refer it back to, um, our paleoithic times or our, what we've been doing for thousands of years rather than the last day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of what we're doing today is, 50 to 100 years old information where we have been on the planet for thousands of years. So whenever someone advises you or um, shares some information, just refer it to have we been doing that for thousands of years? Is it traditional? 
Uh, does our culture know about this? And yes, it's confusing because Australia is quite young. So we are still relearning these kind of things or learning it for the first time. Uh, so we really need to look to um, other cultures as inspiration, really. So when um, you know, someone says there's only olive oil that is good for you uh, to be using in your kitchen, did the entire planet for the last thousands of years always have plenty of olive trees available to them? No. <laughs> you know, and did they all have Milky Ways available to them? No. <laughs> But the other example, I do need to share one more other example because mm. this infuriates me too. It's almost ludicrous um, hearing you say this. I'm sorry. It's just quite yeah. insane. But carry on. Yeah, I know it is. It really infuriates me. Um, and I know, you know, some people might be listening going, oh, I thought, I thought that was right. Yeah, so they might be thinking, oh, you know, I, I still think this is right. So I guess we can get more into that kind of stuff. But um, the other example was showing, okay, so if you want to have mayonnaise, that is high in fat because it's got egg yolks and oil in it. Um, so that's obviously dense in calories. So go for this option, guys. This is a dietitian talking. Go for this option, which was a low-fat mayonnaise. The ingredients um, were disgusting. So sugar, things like maltodextrin, flavors, colors. It definitely was not a food. There was not really a food ingredient except for water and sugar. And sugar, obviously, we know is not great for us either. But at least, it, you know, somewhere along the line, it came from an actual crop um, rather than a laboratory. So, yeah, that's another example of, of how, you know, mass media, TV, Instagram, this is what people are educated on. You know, be in that calorie deficit and that's all that matters. And unfortunately, if I didn't go on the educational route that I took and the self-healing journey, um, I would still think like that because of what I was taught and educated on. Yeah, it's pretty frightening. And I think the amount of women and, and families and men listening to this that have always been guided by people. And as you said, we can't blame the doctors or the medical experts because that's what they're taught. But I do find it interesting. I remember sitting there once with two dietitians. This is about, I don't know, two decades ago. And I was right into my butter. I didn't, I still am, I love butter, but I don't have to eat lots of it. But I remember sitting there going, oh, I really love my butter. And they both looked aghast at me like, oh, you eat butter? Like as if I was eating some chemical petroleum derivative. It was just so, they were that horrified as if it was poison. And I said, yeah. And they went, I said, what do you eat? And they were really big at that point on a thing called Olivio, which was an olive oil spread or something. Mm. But when they showed me the ingredients, I said, oh, but this doesn't look real to me. And they, they were very caloric based. It was mm -hmm. all about the calories. But then when I turned and challenged them and I said, look, you know, I just don't think it's a real food. It's not what we would have eaten in our ancestral times or, you know, when, when we started domesticating or using animals like cows for the milk and things like that. And they laughed. Do you know what they looked at me? So, where did, so one of them said, sorry, where did you get your degree? Oh, shut That's up. what she said to me. So I remember thinking, you oh. know what? Sometimes there's a lot of educated derelicts out there and that's no disrespect to the people that are open to learning. But I'm just the same. I, if you give me one thing and I think it's a certain way, I'd like to do my research to look at the other options. 
That's yeah. something that I love having conversations with you about, but also the fact we know there's a lot of stress in food and a lot of people not knowing what the hell to eat or what they should eat. What do you do to bring the joy back into eating? What's some of your rules then that we could adapt in a very simple everyday way, whether we're mothers, fathers or parents or not? What can we do to bring the joy back into eating? Yeah, before I answer that question, I'd just like to say what you touched on was one of the largest problems that we have out there today that those possibly with credentials or strong views in something aren't open to learning something new or potentially owning it and going, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should think differently or, like, you know, learn something new. (laughs) And they always talk about being research-based. If, if the information you're sharing is research-based, then you'd be talking extremely differently and probably changing the view that you had many, many years ago. And that is a healthy and positive thing uh, to practice. Don't you agree? Like I do, I do, but I find it fascinating that, and, and yeah, before we get to the joy of food, I think it's great that you reiterated this because... I just, I instantly feel shut down when I'm in those conversations because Mm. I don't have a university degree. But when I think intrinsically, innately and intelligently about the vibrancy of food, I don't have to be a medical expert or a nutritionist to know that when I pick herbs from my garden, I feel amazing. When I grow a Mm. lettuce, not only do I get the joy of watching the lettuce, but then to go out and pick the amount of leaves that I need to eat tonight for my meal. I just, I cannot begin to tell you the joy I get. And I just find it fascinating that people think going to the supermarket is where we get our food. And I've even been guilty of this myself, Sheridan, where I've taken my kids. And, you know, at one point I remember my children didn't even know how a pineapple grew. And I remember thinking, yeah, we we take our kids to the supermarket. It's all beautifully packed. The thought of having to kill an animal to eat an animal the thought of having to get into a chicken you know, hatch to get the eggs, to understand if there's a rooster or what's the fertilisation, like we seem so far removed mm. from what is traditional cultural permaculture farming and our anthropological ways that I almost feel like as a society, the way we've got more easy, we've also done ourselves a massive disservice. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually... Um you know, it comes down to one of my favourite quotes, which is, we are the only species that puts food last. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we all know kind of what that means, but a lot of it stemmed from that era of, uh, you know, starting to farm. But the other thing is, is women went into the workforce. So then it was all fast food. They felt like they needed everything quick and easy and getting in the kitchen was an absolute um bother and like not a positive thing at all uh so getting to the joy of food we need to just before you do you're right microwaves fast food it was all about getting women out of the kitchen it was seen as freedom wasn't it yes yeah it was like woohoo which is you know innocently at the time of course they'd be going oh my god this is so great we get more time to work more time with the family blah 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 um, however, it's also done everyone a huge disservice 
And we need to feel super, super honoured to get in the kitchen because aren't we lucky where we live that we actually get a choice of what we eat and we have a choice to have a kitchen, for God's sake, um, and have the food to cook. So it's um, we really need to change that thought of actually, no, let's, that's the first point of finding joy in your food, Kimmy. So, like, the first step I would say is knowing it's an honour to get in that kitchen. So rather than going, oh, I need to cook dinner or I need to get ingredients for this, go, oh, this is exciting, I get to eat this and it's going to be yummy and delicious. <laughs> so, and and I get to nourish myself or I need to, I get to nourish my family. So, there's so many positive things about it. There's no, no negative. And when it comes to healthy eating, and I, do you know, I, I hate labeling stuff. Do you, do you know, I even hate, hate saying healthy eating. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why, but like I get, I have a real issue with, I don't know, certain phrases and terms, but like. <laughs> it's a bit like my sister messaged me the other day asking, where do I find quinoa at the supermarket? And I said in the health section. And she goes, how funny that we go to a supermarket and there's a health section. What's the yes. rest of it then? And I went, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to have two brains to, um, you know, figure that one out. Yeah, it's really ridiculous, isn't it? So, yeah, you get to nourish yourself with the foods that you've personally chosen to make a meal that you will enjoy. So real good good food eating is not about like saggy cost lettuce with big chunks of tomato and chunky onion. Like that is disgusting and to me... <laughs> is like not going to be super enjoyable. However, we can make really yummy, delicious meals that are like your old classics but healthy for you, anti-inflammatory and going to be supportive of your good gut flora so then it supports your brain. Um, And I guess that's the other joy of, you know, food or good food is I think what's really underestimated lately or forever is eating for your happiness. So what I mean by that is we well and truly know by research, if you want to go by research, uh, that, you know, when we eat real food and good food for your gut, then it does support our happiness. So I think this uh, language is really underestimated or not talked about enough like eating for your happiness it's not only just about like the meditation and everything like that it needs to be spread uh, or like get out there that to be happy we need to eat well really um period (laughs) well i love those two points so the first one is knowing that it's okay to get in the kitchen even if you can't cook there is enough people like yourself and Mm. amazing nutritionally sound humans that put the most easiest simple and beautiful recipes either in books or on the website so i love that and i think we're underestimating it a little bit i had the privilege of also hearing dr natasha campbell mcbride who taught or teaches the gut and psychology syndrome um, practitioner training so that we understand the link between the gut and the brain. But what I love about her was she's always said that in order to heal your family or heal the nation, women 
mean we need to get back in the kitchen and start foods from scratch. And even though it feels a bit tough at times or it might feel like you're a bit overwhelmed or how many ingredients or what do I get, how long do you reckon it takes for somebody to adapt into that way of thinking and eating and not seeing it as a chore? Is it quick and simple for a lot of people? Oh, I'd say no, Um, but don't give up. You know, in the beginning, it'll feel like that you're thinking about food constantly. I remember feeling like this, going, oh, my God, do I really need to think about food this much for the rest of my life? Um, And it was, it could have been seen as a bother. However, it wasn't about giving up because it's just finding the groove. I guess it's like learning a new skill. You're not going to be able to go do a backflip in um, just that day. You're going to do some training for it. You're going to find. You're going to get some advice from people. You're going to practice. You're going to start ta- start taking some baby steps first before you actually do it. So it's just about getting support where you can, but making sure that there's no giving up because that the moment that happens, it, it's just it's hard to start that journey all over again. Um, So I think it's knowing that there's so much support out there and that, again, it's a positive change rather than seen as a negative change. Like it's it's not to be seen as a bother, this journey. It's a very positive step forward. Um, And also there's zero deprivation. So I guess that would be the third point is, you know, that finding the joy in, you know, eating this way is – knowing that you do not need to deprive yourself. Like you can still eat chocolate. You can still eat whatever you're feeling like. However, it's just changing those ingredients. Um, So that's when the quote of just because the ingredients change, it doesn't mean the menu has to. So as you know, like Kimmy brought over um, a pie after I had Malachi my little baby. So, you know, you can still eat a pie. It's just eating the beautiful pie, <laughs> the real food version out of almond meal and etc. Um, but again, it's, it's not that wheat and gluten and, you know, um, have always been terrible. It's just the alteration in the wheat grain that has occurred that has made it um not so great which is why people like us like Kimmy and myself um opt for things like almond meal or etc because it's Mm. easier essentially um than fermenting the grain finding the old traditional wheat grains etc uh so that's really important as well is that you know you might still want to eat wheat and gluten etc it's just looking back again in uh ancestral times what did they eat so they didn't eat the wheat grain that was chemically hybridised in the 1970s um, and it was always fermented before consumption. So, yeah, so it's, um, yes, knowing that you still eat those beautiful uh, foods that you've always loved but just in a different way um, and getting excited about that. And your recipes, I swear to God, they're the most salivating beautiful easy to make I think because you're a mum I just want to congratulate you and say how much I love and admire you for the the recipes that you do create for us because you certainly make life easier and enjoyable and I'm very grateful for that I'm very grateful for your journey um sweetheart if you could just go back a little bit just 
you talked about something at the very beginning, which I'd really love to touch on, and it's probably a little bit more around the emotional side of things. The word judgment is quite a big thing in this day and age. And if we feel judged or we're judging others, there is this sense of not good enough or thinking we're too good for ourselves. And I just would love to understand how you got through that process of the old Sheridan versus the new Sheridan and how you coped with things like family or friends or outings. I know you said that you didn't make it such a big deal, but for some people, it's like people that used to give up smoking. You can be made to feel really bad for it. What would you recommend? Yeah. And it is such an issue for so many people. And I actually get this message quite a bit on Instagram of like, how do I deal with it if my husband eats this way and I'm trying to eat this other way? Or, um, yeah, so obviously it is sometimes you will experience those moments of, am I doing something wrong? You know, you may, you're made to feel maybe it's me. Maybe it's like maybe I should be like other people. But no, um I think the best thing to be is go back to your true self and go, do I know this is right for me? Uh, And if you know it is, then be confident to other people around you that, you know, yes, this is the way I eat. Um, And, and then they, you could leave it there or they may ask questions and then you can explain, but don't go you know, putting it down people's throat, I feel, because that's when it can be, like, not so enjoyable for other people and yourself is, uh, I think, just waiting until they want to ask more questions um, but still being really confident in your decision. I think also don't back down. Uh, at the moment we go, oh, actually stuff it. Maybe I will eat the Domino's pizza. It makes it the same challenge next time you're with the same people. So um, you're going to face the same problem. But if you went, oh, no, it's okay, I'll bring this and you guys have your Domino's pizza or, oh, guys, I'm going to get something from this place and and you guys can have that. that, that's totally fine. Because that way the next time you're with those same people, they will know your philosophy, they will know how you want to eat and it will be way more accepted. But the moment you are lacking that confidence and just go stuff it, I'll just get that, again, it's that same problem next time and you're never actually going to move forward and create that health that you'd actually deserve. Um, so if you're going to someone's house, so whether it be a loved one, like a family member or a partner or whatever, or friends, um, let them know beforehand. So rather than facing the awkwardness when you get there, if it is, it is a dinner or it's like whatever it is, um, let them know beforehand if you feel like you need to, if they're going to obviously be preparing food for you. So hi, darling. You know, I uh, it might be really freaking annoying. I'm so sorry, but I'm currently gluten and dairy free, for example. Um, do you want me to bring something for me to eat or do you want me to help you out? I can come earlier and prepare something. Um, I'm happy to bring something for myself if that's easiest for you. You know, rather than getting to the location and going, I can't eat that or being faced with, oh, I have to eat it anyway because I feel too bad. Um does that make sense? Yes, yes. And I think the hardest thing out of all of this is is that first time you do it and then yes. just handling that. I think I loved what you said most there about it's like it's not like we have to ram 
the questions or our answers or our thoughts or our feelings or our beliefs on anybody. And I love the fact that you said, just make a statement, oh, I don't eat that. And if people ask you why, then they may be open to it. I call it non-negotiables for me, sweetheart. There's just no way. I I even went to a friend's for dinner last night and they all eat really well and I personally don't eat red meat. And instead of making a fuss, and the whole thing was all based around this big roast lamb, but it doesn't bother me because it's not something I eat and having a night of eating vegetables does not worry me so much and all the other food was fabulous. But I also think what's really important here is your beliefs, your higher good, your highest value. And if you really value yourself, then you will never allow other people's opinions, thoughts, feelings at all costs to impede your personal growth and your health. Isn't that the case? Yeah, definitely. And I guess that comes back to confidence. Yeah. Um, You know, just going, no, this is perfect for me right now. I feel really good doing this then blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, is when you are confident within yourself and you make those decisions or you bring different food or whatever, you actually will begin to educate the other people around you. You'll begin to inspire them. And the great thing is, is you will find that they will start eating the way you are eating. Um, And they will start to support you way more and come on the journey with you and if they don't that's still totally fine Um, but a lot of them will respect that so when I it's really interesting so flashback to 1964 just kidding Um, (laughs) when I was you know first making these changes my friends obviously asked a lot of questions and you know some definitely placed a lot of judgment on me um However, come now, so I can very easily, happily go and enjoy beautiful real food with all of my friends, Um, whereas it wouldn't have been like that a couple of years ago, many years ago now. Um, But this same group of people, because they're all now educated and know about real food, and so on, we all eat this way now. So it's it wasn't always like that. But because of my confidence and I'm not saying they all eat this way now because of me, it's just I think probably played a little bit of a part, uh, you know. So it's really important to stay that confident um, self and, and believe that it is going to make you and others feel better. So it's creating that ripple effect. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit then about the gut-brain connection and how in the last, I, I, I might have it wrong, but it seems to be in the last decade, there seems to be a heck of a lot more conversation around this. Many people are now saying that the gut is in fact the brain or it reacts or does things more than the brain. There's an intelligence there that we just have never really understood. Could you tell us a little bit about that just in a generalized state? Because I know you could go really deep, but give us some insight so that we can do the best for our own selves. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we can start with like what it is and then like even a few things that can really support that. Um, So basically, for example, 90% of the serotonin in your body is produced by your gut. Um, and serotonin is your happy hormone. So when someone, if you go to the doctor with, say, depression or, um, you know, mood issues, mood imbalances, not feeling happiness, etc., or really anxious, if that doctor does not touch on your gut health, then you actually need to move to the next doctor because they are not up with the research because there's so much, we know there's so much research out there now. So if they're not touching on your gut health, then, yeah, kindly and politely move on. 
um, next. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's one example. And what that serotonin is, serotonin is produced by is our gut microbes. So we've got 100 trillion gut microbes um, living on us, within us, all over us, everywhere. So when we're, whenever we're, like, treating an issue, we really need to make sure we're looking at that too. But it actually can be put really simply and go, well, actually, we know that the food we eat impacts what's living in our gut, so let's just start there. You know, and that's what I mean about that foundation. It's just like let's just first start eating real food and see what happens from there. Um, so the connection between the gut and the brain. So, for example, going back to this serotonin happy hormone as one example, um, it does send like little postcards up to your brain via the vagus nerve. Uh, so with this you know, the gut microbe might post up this serotonin up to your brain and then we start to feel that happiness. Um, and it does that with many other neurotransmitters and it goes to and from. Uh, but serotonin, dopamine, melatonin, adrenaline, noradrenaline, um, GABA, these are all types of different hormones slash neurotransmitters that really support the way or not support the way we feel, sleep, um, and react to stressful situations as well. So, um, you know, I think a good example is that why does someone drop a pen and want to cry and why does someone drop a pen and just pick it up and be happy Larry about it um, or spill a bit of coffee on their leg and, you know, get all frantic or, um, yeah, it's it's what's going on in that gut. What has that person, how has that gut been? altered in some way for their neurotransmitters to really not be able to support them. So um, in times of stress, we often feel like we want to reach for those comfort foods, like foods that just are quick, easy, pretty disgusting and keep moving forward. However, that is essentially going to make your reaction to the stress so much worse. And that's coming from a gut perspective because how are we going to deal with that stressful situation when um, you're really struggling to produce a balanced amount of all those neurotransmitters to help you through this, support your sleep, support your cortisol levels, your stress hormone. Um, so, and I think, yeah, I'll stop there. Um, yes, I'll stop there because as you said, I could just keep going and going. <laughs> well, I think the point that I'm taking, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there are trillions of cells and microbes that make up our whole being. There's a whole intelligence in the gut that if the gut is being, um, I guess for want of a better word, distracted by foods that aren't real or foods that don't suit us, then we're limiting its ability to be attracted to supporting our feelings, our happiness, our levels of good judgment and being able to cope with stress. And I think when we're taxing the system, these foods, and because the body is such an intelligent thing and because the body just is, it's remarkable how quickly we can feel sick and how quickly we can feel well when we make some changes. Is it true then on that level, if someone's listening to this, and I dare say, Sheridan, that most people listening to this are definitely on your wavelength anyway. That's why they're attracted to the self-love podcast. But if for some reason they have friends or someone or people that aren't, and they've tried convincing or using strategies to support them to have a better understanding, is it true that no matter what, we can feel better um, 
just by eliminating wheat or eliminating gluten or eliminating processed sugars, how quickly does the body respond? Because I know myself, it seems pretty quick with even from meal to meal, but how clever is the gut and the body? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I guess it really depends on the person and what their, um, how deep of issues they've got. Uh, so someone might remove these things but still experience um, some anxiety, some gut issues like bloating and, or depression and it might need to go slightly deeper than that. However, it will give them a taster at least to um, how they could potentially feel. So they will have some sort of um, experience of a benefit quite quickly. I'd say, you know, if, you, if someone's trying to convince someone, then it would be like a week or something like that um, of limiting themselves to like without these things, so gluten, wheat. I think that the big, one of the biggest things, hey, is mm. when you start to remove that, you start to remove other nasty foods at the same time, um, whether it be like additives, etc. cetera, then um, – yeah, so then that person has the chance to lower their inflammation and support their gut health a little bit better. Um, yeah, I think by giving them like a week or so, they could start to feel some sort of benefit and they go, oh, oh, okay, I can potentially feel better. And then I'll go further and further and further and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then they might be like, actually, maybe I need to do an antiparasitic protocol. <laughs> so it's just sends them on that journey. So, for example, with Sean, my partner, he um, definitely was not on the same wavelength as me and wasn't for a long time. And it wasn't until he started to realize that when he would eat outside of home, that's when he would pop some painkillers. So he was, before our changes, having painkillers literally nearly every day. Isn't that disgusting? Mm-hmm. And it was normal. You know, this is normal behavior. Um, and so he, cause he was having painkillers for headaches and then he, um, the only reason he started to potentially believe me for these changes was because he was eating more and more from home. Then he would be out, have something that he wouldn't usually have at home and then he would get a headache. So he was putting two and two together. So if you've got a loved one, just simply be the inspiration. So Uh, nourish themselves with the food and then they'll experience that feeling and so this is why I love like retreats so much because I I have this deep desire to allow people to experience the feeling I think that is when the penny drops when they can experience a change within their body Um, oh my gosh I can live without this you know, I feel so much better or, and bringing it to their attention, you know, I said to Sean, do you realize that, you know, every time you have this, you're getting this and then he starts to realize it for himself. So I think it's more, yeah, getting them to experience those beneficial feelings or. I remember uh, to get Danny to feel more convinced because the hard thing for him with his work, taking him away and sports media and things like that, there's this kind of, you've got to have a beer afterwards. You've got to, you know, have a pie and a sausage roll or whatever the the mentality is that they will have to wind down or a glass of wine or a couple of glasses of wine before bed. And Danny did find out when he was a young athlete that he only had one kidney 
and I during an MRI scan for his for a, 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 an injury that he was carrying. But the interesting thing was, I said to him, you know, you could just say I'm doing a protocol at the moment because I've got one kidney, therefore I'm just not drinking at the moment. And people are pretty good with that as opposed to saying, oh, I'm just not drinking at the moment. There's that real coercion. But I love what you're talking about because the other thing that worked for me, for Danny, for him to really understand, I could see gluten was an issue for him. I got him the book um, Serving to Win by Novak Djokovic, uh, the tennis player, and his book in there, very simply written, is his whole journey around his level of sport, uh, sporting attributes and outcomes before um, when he ate wheat and gluten and processed sugars as opposed to afterwards. And sometimes we need to have other validation from people that aren't necessarily our wife or our mother. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, Yeah, we need to hear it from someone else, right? And that's why I guess some people send their lovers to me. (laughs) They're like, they just need to hear it from someone else. I want to know, I mean, the idea of a retreat and you guys are running beautiful retreats, um, it's, it's the immersion of it, isn't it? It's the ability to come in, completely focus on yourself, learn new things, experience new things. How have you found that your retreats are having a real positive effect on couples and families and and individuals? I actually um, cannot even even, um, comprehend how incredible it has been. (laughs) Uh, The results were exceeded any of my expectations ever, which was just phenomenal, and that is within two, uh, sorry, four, four nights. Um, and it's not just like oh, all their health problems disappeared. It's not that. It's just that they, they got a taste for A, how delicious food can be, B, um, you know, some inflammation coming off and getting a little bit more clarity of mind and the education around why we're eat, eating certain things. Um, but to, you know, put it into perspective of, the benefits um, from these is, okay, so yes, the experience helped, but then taking tools home to implement. So, um, for example, one couple has made the most profound impact on their entire life. So she, um, the wife, was struggling to um, walk um, and she, and that's because of so much inflammation around her ankles. The inflammation has literally disappeared from her ankles. Sorry, that's my little big one. I'm just picking him up. Um, yeah, so uh, the clarity and the, the fogginess has lifted. Um, and yeah, the inflammation is literally dripping from her and she's lost at least the last I heard, which was like a month or two ago, she had lost six kilos. Um, and that was about a month after the retreat that she told me that. Um, and that is from her experiencing it again for herself. And this is from someone that did not want to come to the retreat. Her family basically made her. And, uh, when we were there, she, you know, it was crying to us because she was just so happy. Uh, she was actually scared to go home because she was like, how am I going to implement this at home? Because, um, you know, like she, she hasn't been able to make those changes. So she was really scared of returning home and having to fend for herself, but she's done it. She cleaned out her pantry. The inflammation continues to come off. 
uh, the weight continues to come down, the energy continues to be lifted and the fogginess and the moods are more balanced and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that makes a profound difference to obviously her relationship with her family. And one of the reasons why she actually um, is making some of these changes as well is not only for herself but also so she can play with her grandson uh, because it was getting to the point where she couldn't walk with him uh, or play with him properly, get down on the floor and pick him up, etc. So that was one of her key motivators was so she could play with her grandson. Um, so, yeah, it does. It, it, and just the irritability as well with relationships. I see some relationships suffer and I just think, oh, my God, imagine if they ate differently. And I know it sounds so ridiculous, but it, it makes that much of a profound difference to our mood and our irritability and our happiness and our communication with people and our libidos as well. So uh, that can be a key driver for someone as well. And when Sean was a bit resistant to making these changes, I actually got emotional and I was like, babe, I want to live a long, happy, energetic life and you're not wanting to do this with me. So I really don't know how this is going to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, then he did start to come on this journey with me and he honestly is a completely different person. So it's really interesting when you point this out to people because sometimes they may actually not know their own personality or know what their body um, or what they could potentially feel. So it's just dabbling into that and making them realize like, hey, you know, you could actually be a such better person (laughs) and you get hotter the more you align your values with mine and your libido and mine will go up totally when we're on the same page (laughs) basically the world is golden (laughs) I love it I love it it's true though when you get to experience these things and food is such a big part of our social part of our life our communication the whole concept of breaking bread almond meal bread, zucchini bread, over a beautiful banquet with friends and family, sharing plates, conversation, communication. I mean, it is the essence and the connector of all and brings us to really feeling good about ourselves. And I just think, you know, you say that food is the foundation for wellness and I think self-love is the foundation for mental wellness. Mm. What what did you, would you say self-love when you eat well, there's an easier ability to to that absolutely right yeah. and this kind of comes back to also when we are feeling down or we've had a shitty day or I don't know we're not feeling great and we want that, those comfort foods the true self-love action to that and to better your situation is nourishment so mm-hmm. it's changing changing that mindset of oh maybe I shouldn't actually go to foods that are going to make me feel worse it's going no the act of self-love to get me through whatever I'm going through Um, is actually nourishing yourself. That is such an act of self-love. And when I know, when I um, feel myself like I'm just slipping away from my daily great, hey, darling, (laughs) daily, um, I don't know if it's a laugh or a cry there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so when I feel myself needing a little bit more self-love, that's when I'll get in the kitchen and I'll create a green juice and I'll create some really yummy snacks or healthy brownies and um, lots of different beautiful condiments that are going to nourish me greatly to make me feel better. That's a huge act of self-love to me. Um, What is your definition of self-love then? 
Uh, well, it's definitely transitioned over time because now I'm a mum, so it's come become a little bit more simplified. So it probably was used to be, you know, lengthy magnesium salt baths and massages and all that kind of stuff but like who's got time for that so self-love to me is sometimes very simple and honestly it literally might be making some brownies and that's like cassava beautiful brownies and to be honest having my mother's blend mm-hmm. um you know taking that moment to do something for myself that sounds really ridiculous but taking that moment to go oh this is about me and my nourishment to make me feel better um overall the other thing is is definitely movement and and as a new mum like taking myself away from the hustle of being a mum uh and putting myself in a pilates class or a yoga class um is really uh, a huge act of self-love for me uh because I'm doing it out of love there not out of oh, my gosh, I haven't exercised today. I'm going to try and do it with the kids, you know, that sometimes just too stressful. Like it's just it's not actually enjoyable. So it's not that self-love moment. It's, um, yeah, I find it very uh, empowering or um, makes your whole week better by taking yourself away for literally 45 minutes to be in yourself, to take those deep breaths without um, any kind of disturbance and stretching out that body and, and moving it. Um, I know it sounds so ridiculous because I used to definitely just do this willy-nilly, not even thinking about it. It's just like a thing I do, um, go to a Pilates class or go to this or whatever. But it's a huge thing now. <laughs> no, no, that sounds ridiculous, but it's, mm-hmm. it's um, that is a huge act of self-love for me and I really am grateful that I can do little things like that because of my partner. Um, but also, you know, to be honest, another act of self-love is definitely moving from a single-shot coffee to a double-shot coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of gone like, all right, so single-shot is one child, double-shot is <laughs> That's gold. That's gold. <laughs> you touched on it very briefly there, and I really appreciate your definition of self-love being such a busy young mum with two beautiful little cherubs and I'm grateful to have that gorgeous boy with us on the call but you talked briefly there you mentioned your blend my mother's blend this is something that took you two three years to create it was in the back of your mind from the moment you decided or were seeing women who were maybe struggling to fall pregnant or not getting the nutrition they needed could you explain to us very quickly I know you're feeding and whatnot but just your journey around creating this amazing product and why it's so good for everybody not just pregnant mums absolutely yeah so it's a huge passion of mine and you know that um it stemmed from when I uh, got pregnant uh, and I it was a surprise and I didn't want to be testing. So obviously when someone gets pregnant, they're told straight away, you know, what nutrients are you taking? Are you on, um, you know, folic acid? So the nutrient that is um, proposed to, that's the synthetic form. Let me get into that a little bit more, but um, to prevent birth defects, midline birth defects, like tongue ties, etc. Um, so that's why people are really pushed. And obviously it's such a physically demanding time uh, to create a baby, feed a baby, nurture a baby. Uh, so we do need the more nutrients. It's definitely required. However, when I got pregnant, 
um, spontaneously. <laughs> I was like, I, at such a vulnerable time, why would I want to be testing my body on these synthetic nutrients? It didn't make sense to me. So even like, you know, people that I almost look, well, definitely do still look up to, um, we're like, oh, well, you know, you just take this nutrient and off you go, uh, this um, prenatal and off you go. But I'm looking at it and like this is a bump, bunch of synthetic nutrients that I've never put in my body that how am I going to know uh, when I'm already going through so many changes, how am I going to know how it's impacting me and my health and, um, yeah, how I feel. So at such a your baby. Exactly. And mm. also, have these been trialed for many thousands of years? You know, no, they haven't. Now, I always put it into perspective of going out into nature. Do you stumble upon a big folic acid tree? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't. You stumble upon a tree <laughs> that might house many thousand nutrients including that nutrient that you you will require but it's got all its other friends and cofactors and enzymes and other nutrients around it to help support um, the usability of that nutrient so what I did was I found the nutrients that are required obviously in pregnancy breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff and what we need more of and I found the food sources of that um, I was having them all individually and it, A, was expensive, B, was annoying. Um, and, you know, an example of um, one of these foods is or nutrients is iodine. Like, you know, you really want to make sure you're having a good sufficient amount of iodine. Um, but to be honest, it was annoying incorporating kelp in my food regularly and how was I to know the exact amounts I kind of needed. So that is when I, I – obviously wanted to get some food so that's when I started to look at kelp and I was incorporating that but I was like let's throw it in all together make it bloody easy peasy um so yeah so I got foods like liver where it's rich in folate so the naturally occurring folate so going back to when people are pushed to have folic acid this was a huge um interest and passion of mine because folic acid in 20 to 40 percent of the population uh, genetically can, does not do not have the enzyme to convert it into the uh, usable form in the body. So essentially it can actually create more drama than good uh, in a very, very short and simple way. Uh, so the best uh, idea is always food. Food, your body will uh, know what to do with it, right, because it's got everything there. It's in the natural state. Your body can actually use it properly and have the support and absorb it. Um, and then the other thing is if you are going to supplement with it, if you are going to supplement with, um, you know, folate, at least go methylfolate. So um, that's really important. So it can be termed as MTHF as well. So uh, that type of folate or folinic acid. Uh, so if someone's comfortable with going for synthetic nutrients during their pregnancy or leading up to a pregnancy, then definitely ensure it's not the synthetic folic acid and instead methylfolate or folate or folinic acid. Um, so that's really important for every mum out there. Uh, so moving on to the foods that I felt, so liver is rich in folate, it's rich in iron, which is also really obviously required. Um, zinc and B vitamins and then obviously the kelp which is iodine and all the other nutrients within there to help us utilize the iodine and then there's 
probiotic, like fermented beautiful foods, uh, lots of greens, which are also uh, sources of things like folate and other nutrients, of course. Um, but I also, I don't know if you remember back my de- development of this, I was like, oh, okay, it doesn't taste that great, all those foods. <laughs> and, yes, it's still challenging to some people. Um, however, at least it's not just those alone because then, thankfully, I stumbled across beetroot juice, yeah. uh, which is not only rich in folate but it's also rich in um, nitrogen nitrate so nitrate is actually really awesome when it's obviously from food because it helps with oxygenation of our cells and our muscles but also um the transport of nutrients and blood flow so it can help lower blood blood pressure um, which a lot of people experience high blood pressure in pregnancy um so it opened up not only like a sweeter powder um however it also opened up heaps more benefits mm-hmm. <laughs> and um yeah it's really it looks it amazing a... when you make the drink up and you feel so good yeah. taking it it is such a beautiful supplement mm-hmm. like and i know you had lots of advice with um people that you really respected to make sure it was all in its right blends but then tell me how mm-hmm. even though you had the, the pregnant woman in mind which i find fascinating about this because a pregnant woman woman is the one that's growing a baby they are literally under stress if you like a, a good stress, but they're under stress, not, not only you know keeping themselves well, but they're growing a freaking life. Like it's kind of a miracle in my eyes, any pregnancy. But then you've noticed that people take it that aren't pregnant. And so we could notice and we can think of it as the mother's blend. But I always think of anything around mothers as mothers know best, mothers hugs are the best, mother nature. Like I look at all of this and I just think, it's beyond just for a preconception care or for a pregnant woman, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I've got men having it left, right and centre. So, and obviously men that are slightly invested in their health, you know, they, they actually understand a little bit of nourishment. Um, but honestly, so many men have it. It's beautiful. So my um, dad has it um my friend's dad has it i've got people that um do jujitsu uh they all love it and they actually and this is the guys they have it actually before their training sessions because they also love the benefit um of the beetroot juice and having that to help with their performance which is really really cool and people um you know older women that don't even have kids or thinking about kids younger women that don't even have kids or thinking about kids literally it's a nutrient powerhouse food um, that, yes, I've had, you know, pregnant and breastfeeding women in mind with the creation of it to make sure it's, you know, in safe levels how and safe foods, safe ingredients. However, it's essentially just like a nutrient bomb. Um, and a lot of people uh, say it gives them energy that day. So they're like, I, they, they really notice it if they don't have it for a few days. Um, they really crave it. Like uh, the word, um, which is so lovely of people, but the word magic is thrown around so much because they're just like, it literally is magic to me. You've created a potion that just makes me feel so good mentally and physically and um, gives them energy. So it's so awesome. But, yeah, my mum is actually loving it for menopause, to be honest. Yes, we were talking about this the other day, and that's why I really wanted you to bring it up because mm-hmm. I think like you were saying before, if we're feeding the gut and that beautiful microbiome a whole lot of real nutrient-dense foods and a nice little hit, it's like giving yourself 
I feel like I'm giving myself a um, a multivitamin mm. in one one hit, but it, it seems to be really easily absorbed. And I just, I, I don't know if I'm making it up or whether this is just, I just feel like I get an instant hit with it. Is that what some people are saying? And can that happen? Oh, yes. Like it's actually even blowing my mind. So a lot of people, let's use iron as an example. Um, a lot of people will be getting iron infusions or they will be on synthetic iron, just trying to lift their iron levels through um, anything that they're advised to do and it doesn't do anything or it might lift like tiny, tiny amounts. And then honestly they try this and it skyrockets. But if you compare a synthetic iron supplement and the mother's blend, like the nutrient values are going to be, you know, so much lower in the mother's blend because obviously you can't just put whatever number in a pill form Mm -hmm. um, like you can when you're in a laboratory. However, it's obviously being so well absorbed and utilised by the body because it's got all the nutrients around it to help support it. So it is extremely well absorbed. And some people have even said, oh, you know, this is almost like redefining science because we're so focused on numbers um, but we're not looking at nature and some things aren't defined by numbers and and can't be defined by numbers. Does that make sense? Yes, very much. And I think sometimes we actually can't even put a number on the magic of nature. And I think Mm. as far as science is concerned and how clever we are at creating synthetics and and alternatives, and I think science is phenomenal in this day and age, Mm. I still think Mother Nature reigns supreme. And I love women like yourself, like Cindy O'Meara, different nutritionists and certainly different um, health experts that really do um, advocate this incredible, natural, whole, holistic Mother Nature approach to life. Because I know there are other things. If we, I know we're going to come to the end, beautiful girl, and I, I will put all the links to this beautiful Mother's Blend and your felt retreats and your website. And then I just think what I'd love to do, though, at this point is to um, express to us what it is that you think um, are some of the the best things that a busy woman, a young mum, a menopausal mum, or a dad that's full on with work. What are some things that you would advocate as a part of self-care for self-love? Okay, cool. Um, look, am I able to say the mother's blend? Yes. I, well, that was number one I had written down, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> one pop wonder that's you know you're covering so many bases there um and you're simply doing that act of self-love and nourishment in a quick way and like I said that's that's me that's one of my ways I love to consciously nourish myself um speaking of conscious nourishment the next thing would be um having a meal at least once a day where you do consciously nourish yourself. So you go, all right, I'm going to add some extra greens so it feeds my good gut bacteria to make me happier and make me poop better and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nourish myself. So you consciously have a meal that is there to nourish yourself but is also, of course, delicious. Um, the other things, two things that I would say uh to make part of your daily regime or even weekly whatever works for your schedule is um sunshine and grounding Mm -hmm. as important as a daily dose of your supplements or food it should be seen as just as important where you get your dose of nourishment through the sunshine um and 
Yeah, because ah. for so many different reasons, right? So, yeah, I'd say they're like they're the three kind of main things. Um, I'm going to add one that I know that you talk about all the time okay. is to get out in nature. I know you're talking about grounding, but I also know that you do family rituals where you get to the beach, just sit out in the sun, but it's actually not just grounding and putting bare feet on the earth or the sand or the, the water. It's actually being out in the trees around beautiful parts of nature and getting out of the house. Would that be fair? Absolutely. Because that's not only supporting your nutrient uptake, you know, like all things like vitamin D, but it's also reduced, like scientifically proven to reduce your cortisol levels. Um, and you're connecting with various beneficial microbes when you're out there. So you're diversifying your gut bacteria when you're out there too to support your immune system. Um, so we used to do this naturally all the time back in the day. We wouldn't think about it. Um, but we know that uh, we used to spend 100% of our time outdoors and now we spend 90% of our time indoors. So unfortunately, again, like everything we do these days, we need to consciously think about getting outside, um, you know, try and do it once a day. And, you know, if you have such a busy schedule, just limit yourself to 20 minutes out in the nature, out in the sunshine per day and on you go, or off your hop to whatever your day is doing. <laughs> so a way to uh, do that is just by having lunch outside, for example, um, if you can do that. I love it. I love it. And I know you're a massive believer in things like herbs and homeopathics and essential oils and beautiful um, chemically free products to feed the microbiome of the outside of your skin. I know that you, we could talk, that's another whole podcast in itself, yeah, yeah. but I'm yeah. just conscious of, of time and that you've got a, your beautiful little Xander there with you. Um, any tips for, for mums out there, anything that we've missed that you think would be really important to give mums? Yeah. Okay. So um, I, again, going back to, I guess what I do um, but I do love, obviously it is, um, fortunately, but unfortunately, a little bit more of a hectic time in your life. Um, so I do love the support of adaptogens during these times too. So not only can you use like food as medicine, definitely start there. But if you're, if this lifestyle is bringing you anxiousness or even more lack of sleep or um, stress, etc., try and utilize nature's medicine through things like adaptogens. So one of my favorites is ashwagandha and another name is withania and it just helps to uh, regulate that or balance that cortisol level a bit more. So cortisol is the stress hormone so it can really help balance that a little bit and support you in these times of really like lacking sleep. Um, I think that's really important. But then, but then again, you know, rewinding this podcast and going back to the, the simple acts of self-love and just making that a priority so you can be a better mom and um, a better person, better partner, uh, better at your work, whatever. Um, I think that's all really important. That might be that simple Pilates class that you schedule in a week in advance because you need to let your partner know, um, making that a priority and not seeing it as selfish. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And look, sweetheart, you are a superstar. Love both of your beautiful babies and that hot, delicious husband of yours and your beautiful family, your mum and dad and your sisters, everybody. You're just, 
you're a real treat to be around. And I cannot believe, Sheridan, how serious we've been for nearly a whole hour. We haven't <laughs> cracked ourselves up or lost ourselves in hysteria. We've been very well behaved, very well behaved. <laughs> So <laughs> um, thank you so much, sweetheart. Just to, to finish up, if people wanted to follow you, um, could you just tell us if the person's out walking right now or they're in their car, what is your website and social media platforms? Yeah. So my personal website is SheridanJoy.com. Uh, since becoming a mum, I've kind of uh, lacked in putting my new recipes up there. I've definitely got heaps of good recipes on there, but uh, I lazily slap them on my Instagram lately, So, which is Sheridan Austin, Sheridan Joy Austin. Um, so, yes, you can look that up and there's lots of different recipes and tips and stuff. So I kind of see that as recipes and blogs almost, my Instagram, uh, just in a different kind of format. And, um, and then for the Mother's Blend, that is foragedforyou.com. Uh, and felt retreats that's felt retreats.com um so yeah a few different things going on there uh, i hope you can remember them all <laughs> oh, i've got them all i'll put them all in the show notes for these beautiful souls because i know they'll be super keen uh to find out about everything and i just want to acknowledge you it's it's pretty tough when you're a young mum and young kids and trying to balance it and be the perfect thing to all and you're doing it a remarkable job of it and what i love is We've talked a little bit about mother guilt and things like that, that when you're actually on purpose, when you're living with your values in alignment, when you're actually contributing and making a difference, the guilt goes because you're actually doing something for the greater good of all. And I just, you're someone I really love and admire in that respect. Um, Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Just to finish up, my darling, um, your final words and also maybe your favourite quote at the moment. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my favourite quote at the moment um, is how you live every day is how you live your life. So what changes would you make? So, it, like, the quote is that, but then it makes you think, like, oh, okay, what changes can I make to my day that will make me, you know, look back and be really happy and proud of my overall life, you know? So every day is making up your life. So it's going, oh, maybe I will go for that walk rather than hibernating inside just breastfeeding all day. Or maybe I will say yes to that coffee catch-up. Or maybe I will book that night away. Or, you know, or maybe I will nourish myself so then it can make me a better person. Um, yes, yeah, so that's my favourite quote at the moment. Oh, I love it. I love it. Sheridan, thank you so much, my darling friend. Thank you for your contribution and also doing this amongst juggling your little one, the postman, um, Charlie the dog, everything that's going on in your world. I'm sure everyone listening appreciates your time and knows just how precious it is. Thank you for being here. Um, I think everyone already listening to this knows how much of a beautiful soul you are and I'm so grateful to have you in my life. You're like a little angel, little fairy godmother that just like just pops in just when I need you. <laughs> Don't make me cry. We're meant to be. <laughs> You're adorable. I love you. And thank you so, so much, sweetheart. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. 
That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.